this is your first time with us, welcome. It gets weirder, but anyway, hey, uh, before I forget, John, John's going to close in prayer. Okay, all right, thank you. I didn't want to forget that. Man, you guys look good for people who look like you look. Just kidding, just kidding. Taking a jab. All right, so uh, just a couple things I need to let you know about. Uh, if you are interested in helping us build that church in Pakistan, this, these are two ways you could do that. You could text a dollar amount and the word missions to the, to the number 84321. Or you could grab an envelope off of one of those black giving boxes in the back, write the word missions on it, and put a dollar amount in there if you want to help us get that building in Pakistan, that church building built. We're going to do focus on this maybe another Sunday or two. And then in November, we're going to work on some other local things. Uh, so just to, to let you know, in November, we're going to work on gathering some donations and diapers and things for some needs in our community. Okay? Got it? Just say yeah. Even if you didn't get it, just say you did. Okay? All right, if you're watching this online, go ahead and invite somebody to join the stream today. If you're online in the room, there's going to be a weird delay and it's going to mess you up. Okay? But that's right. We're glad that you're all here. So today... We're talking about the same old lies, and I know some of you are sitting there going, oh, great, he's going to deal with politics today. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't open that can of worms on a Sunday morning. No, sir, I saved that for Facebook. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the same old lies that the enemy tells us. Um, the things that, the assaults that we get attacked by, and we're going to see how that his tactics never really change. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Because the enemy is not a creator. He's a counterfeiter. He can only take what God's done and, and make a copy of it, a cheap copy. He cannot uh, in any way do anything that God can do. He can't create. So always, he's always limited to the same things. So as I get started, uh, let me first ask, are you here? Is everyone here? Good deal. All right. So uh, in a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some feedback from the room. So just remember, I've got to get this whole thing done pretty fast, so I don't have time for you to do a sermon, so you have to let me do it. But what I would like to ask is if anyone in this room, if you know, by, by sound of a raised hand, you know what God put you on this earth to do. Raise hand. I know what God put me on this earth to do. All right, that's good. That's good. You can put them down. Now, here's the thing. So a little bit of feedback in a sentence, just one sentence. I know it's going to be hard. Would anyone shout out? Or just raise your hand and I'll, I'll identify you. Shout out what God put you on this planet to do. Any, any, raise a hand and then I'll point you out. Go ahead, J Kirtland. Bring glory, to God. Bring glory to God. That's good. Love God, love people. That's good. Anyone else have one? Helen? Being a mom. That's pretty good. John? Peace and hope. Peace and hope. You're here to, so next time I get stressed, I could call you, Don? All right. That's good. That's good. Sorry, I... If I know you well, I might put you on the spot. <laughs> Anyone else? What God put you on this planet to do? Worship. That's right. Amen. Miss, Miss Phil's back there? Encourage people. All right. That's good. Angela. I'm sorry. I had a brain cramp. There's a lot of faces here. <laughs> Discipleship to addicts and people who don't know Jesus. That's good. Miss Tammy in the back. Advocate. Oh, an advocate. Very good. Very good. Oh, <laughs> Leonard, are you really raising your hand? Or is Helen making you do it? It's, I'm a good either way. Go ahead, Leonard. Share the, Share the gospel. Okay, that's good. That's all we'll take for right now. That's good. Give yourself a round of applause. You participated in church. Way to go. Church should be a dialogue in uh, so many ways, but we can't always handle it that way. So here's what I need to tell you. 
That stuff is awesome, and I know there are many more missions and purposes that you are called to in this room. And I want to celebrate that, honor that, and today I want to give you the tools so you can fulfill it. But two warnings I want to give. One, when God gives you a mission, it's going to take longer than you think to fulfill it. You've got to extend your time scale. A lot of times God calls us to do something, we get really motivated about it, and we start trying to do it, and then we get discouraged and we quit. And so what I need you to do, or what I want to encourage you to do, is extend that. My mission in life is to make disciple makers. And I still haven't figured out how to do it after 20 years of working on it. Okay? 20 years. But I believe that God's going to get me there. Okay? Uh, making disciple makers means that I make disciples who make other disciples, if I needed to clarify that. Okay? So, I just want you to know you got to extend yourself, extend your time frame. Second thing I want to tell you, you have an enemy who is trying to stop you. You have an enemy that is trying to stop you. The biggest mistake that believers make today is they believe that they're in a world where their enemy is merely there to irritate them. And that is not the case. There is a supernatural enemy out to end you in everything that you could ever do. And so you have to be aware that those things are going to happen. Now, in the book of Exodus... We encounter the story of the nation of Israel when they leave slavery. And they go to the promised land, and God gave them the promised land. It was their land. But when they went to check out the land, to spy it out, they sent 12 guys. These 12 guys went into the Canaan land, which is the promised land, which was the land that God said, that's your land. And they looked at that land, and it was inhabited by giants. They were giants. They were enemies inhabiting their promised land. You understand? And I, I need you to understand that. If God calls you to do something, if he calls you to take possession of something, you need to know that currently that thing that you do not possess is possessed by an enemy, by giants. They are fearful, they are terrifying, and they are not a problem. They are not a problem. Ten spies saw the giants as bigger than God. Two spies realized that God was way bigger than giants, okay? So when you have a mission and you have a purpose in life, you've got to remember that there are going to be giants on the land. You don't just walk into a promised land. Somebody already possesses it. The next thing you need to understand, <coughs> excuse me, please, <coughs> is that you have an echo chamber between your ears, an echo chamber. It's filled with voices, in that echo chamber is your voice. Sometimes you're nice to yourself. Sometimes you are. Most of the time, you're kind of a jerk to you, right? But that's not the only voice in your head. Every abuser, every insult you've ever heard usually gets filed in that echo chamber. Your enemy knows how to whisper into that echo chamber. But also in that echo chamber is the voice of God, where God is speaking to you through his word, through the encouragements and the blessings of others, through the promises spoken over you. And so one of our jobs is to discern what voices we're listening to. And our main job is to shout God's truth into our echo chamber to overcome all the garbage that's jostling around in there, okay? Shout God's truth. Too often we whisper God's truth and shout the devil's lies. 
the world's lies and culture's lies. And we need to learn to shout God's truth into that echo chamber. Amen? Okay, you're still with me, right? So we're going to learn from a guy named Nehemiah. Shortest guy in the Bible, Nehemiah. Lame, I know. If you knew how old it was, you'd really say it was lame. That one's old. Anyway, Nehemiah, I mean, he, he was the wine taster for the king of Babylon. And that sounds like a pretty good job, right? <laughs> anyway, that was his job. So what, what happened, we're, we're going to meet, if you read the book of Nehemiah, it's a great story, narrative read. I'm really going to encourage you to read it in just a few seconds. But we encounter Nehemiah about 15 years after God had released the nation of Israel from Babylonian captivity. And I won't go through all the history there, just simply that the nation of Israel sent 50,000 Jews from Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to restore, to begin to restore the city of Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah had a friend who came back from a visit to Jerusalem. The temple had been built, but the city was a slum. It was in ruins. It was, it, was, it was just rubble and rocks laying all around, and people are trying to carve out a life in the middle of that city, and they're surrounded by people who hate their guts, people who want to end them. And so they're not safe. The economy's bad. The living situation's bad. And so Nehemiah's friend tells him all this, and in that discussion, a vision and a purpose is born. And out of that, Nehemiah, he he thinks of his homeland, a homeland, as far as we know, he'd never actually been to, a homeland that was the center of his worship at the time. Temple worship was the biblical Jewish form of worship at the time. And he got a vision from God, I believe, to go and rebuild the walls. The name Nehemiah means the comfort of, of Jah, or the comfort of God. Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, is a metaphor for what happens in a person's life when they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and begin to follow him, and the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to build in them a new life out of the rubble of the previous one. And so we look at the book of Nehemiah, you need to understand there's a whole lot more here than just the historical narrative. There's also the work of the Holy Spirit in in our lives that we can take from that as a lesson, all right? But that's beyond the scope today, but I wanted to just dangle that out there in hopes that you might actually read the book of Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament, and just look around until you find it. There's only 66 books in there. All right, so, (sighs) that means comfort. I want to jump into the book of Nehemiah after he'd arrived in Jerusalem, He'd already gotten permission from the king to go and build the walls of the city of Jerusalem. He came, didn't tell anybody what he was up to. He checked out the the chaos, the rubble, and he'd already begun building the wall with the help of the people who lived there by Nehemiah 4. And I want to look at this very junior high moment in the life of his enemies. Are you ready? If you're not, we're going to do it anyway. We're not waiting on you, okay? Let's do it. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? 
Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, his junior high friend said, who was standing beside him, remarked the stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. What a scene. These, here's the nation of Israel trying to rebuild their lives, trying to rebuild their story, trying to rebuild their history, trying to provide sanctuary and safety for their families. And their enemies just mock them. And I want you to know this. When the enemy comes after you, he will seldom do it in his own voice. He will almost always use the voice of someone else usually a friend or someone you respect, to insult you. And so I want to show you, through this very juvenile assault on the Jews, how that Satan, your enemy, attacks you. And he does it this way every time, okay? These are what he comes after. First thing I want to show you is that when Satan attacks, he comes after your identity. He comes after who you are. First. And this goes without fail and without question. The enemy is always trying to lie to you about things that God has said are true about you. And this is something you and I must learn. We must learn to take what God says about us as truth, not what our circumstances say about us. Not what our circumstances say about us. Just because you were rejected in a relationship is no reason to think that you're unworthy of relationship. Just because you're broke doesn't mean you're unable to provide an income. Just because uh, that you struggle in, in business or at work or with friends or in growing in your faith, just because you struggle does not mean that, you, that God doesn't have those things for you as gifts especially when it comes to your mission and purpose in life. You cannot start that mission and purpose and then take circumstantial moments that make it look like it will never happen as truth because they are not truth. They're just more assaults on your identity. When, the, when, a, little da, when a little shepherd boy, well, a teenager, David, went out against his giant in the story of David and Goliath, what did the giant do when that teenage boy stepped out on the field of battle? He mocked him, called him a dog, he insulted him, he went after his identity. And what was the second thing that giant did? He died. Do you understand that? He went down. Because nothing can stand between your identity that's given to you by Christ and through Christ and the enemy's lies. Nothing can stop that identity. What God says is true about you is true about you. Amen? Amen? You are a son of God. You are the bride of Christ. That is what's true for you. And whatever God stirs your heart to do scares the snot. I'm sorry. I don't say snot much. Scares your enemy to death. All right? From Tennessee, we have a few colorful expressions. All right? And that actually wasn't one of them. After service, I'll give you the actual expression. <laughs> the enemy comes after your identity. Oh, I didn't mean for it to rhyme. Maybe I can turn it into a rap song. No, no. Thank you. All right. <laughs> we have a no rap daddy rule in our house. Daddy, daddy does not rap. <laughs> the second thing he comes after is your motives. 
comes after who you are, and then he comes after why you are. You see, the minute you get a vision for something, to, to make your marriage better, to be a better parent, to, to improve your business, to, to lose weight or improve your health or whatever it is, the minute that you get whatever that is from God to set up on that, then that question comes in, why? Why do that? Oh, because it's easy to question people's motives because they can't truly be known, right? And so the enemy comes in and says, oh man, who are you? That question, who are you? Who are you to say that you could have a, a great marriage? Who are you to say that you could start a, a good business? Who are you that you could have a ministry? That Who do you think you are? Why are you motivated to do that? It's probably because you're selfish, because you're proud, because your motivations aren't pure. There has to be something wrong. The enemy is going to attack who you are and why you are. Does that make sense? And then he's going to come against your relationship with God. You see, he came to the, the Tobiah and Sanballat came against these Jews because they've offered a few sacrifices. They began putting their faith back together. They had just begun putting their faith back together. Man, who hadn't been there, right? And the enemy comes against and says, you really think because of this you can, you can do something? You really... Many of you that just said, you know, I, I believe, I know what I'm on this earth to do, and you believe you got that from God. There's always going to be somebody to go, well, how do you know it came from God? Do you talk to God? And the right answer to that is, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Marvin a couple weeks ago, and he and I were sharing about relationship uh, with God. Oh, Marvin's the guy, the tall, he's a tall, it looks like Jesus, but taller. You're like, how do you know that? Anyway. What is that name you call me? Ron, Ra, Ron. Dan, Dan, that's right. Okay, don't ask me why we have this weird relationship, but we do. We're just talking about listening to God. And I have, I have talked to people and heard testimony of audible voices from God. Most people look at you really funny when you say those kind of things. But just because God's voice isn't spoken out loud into a room for everybody else to hear doesn't mean God isn't speaking. In fact, Hebrews 12 says, do not ignore the voice of the God who is speaking to you. The truth is, is that God never shuts up. Sometimes we get the dial turned off on the frequency that we pick him up. You know, it's like an AM radio. You guys don't remember dials probably when you actually had to turn it and there was just the right way and you had to have your friend hold the antenna to pick up the only good station that had the shadow on it. Really dated myself that time way back there the same way we listen to God he's speaking and when you hear from him you know it and then people are going to question it and they're going to question your relationship they're going to question your motivations they're going to question your identity and all of that is the enemy the accuser attacking you okay you can see it now right okay the next thing he attacks is your ability you know what, I was, as I was praying back there at the back door thinking about this message, I, I, I should say also your authority. He's challenged, he challenges your ability and your authority because they stood and looked at those Jews and said, hey man, how are you going to build a wall out of trash? These rocks that have been torn down and burnt and scorched, how are you going to build security out of the rubble of the past? 
And they looked at it and did not see it as possible. But I'm going to tell you something. My God knows how to take the rubble of your past and build something mighty and powerful and strong out of that thing. And so you don't have to worry about that. All you have to, all you have to concern yourself with is, God, what do you want me to do? And then start walking that path, and the abilities will come when they are needed. Let me tell you, the future God has for you, you're not actually ready for it yet. You're going to have to grow into it. You're going to have to become someone stronger, someone wiser, someone with deeper faith, someone with more knowledge, someone with more skill to walk in the future that God has for you. And God's got that factored all in. And he's looking at you, standing before him in Revelation 19 and some of Jesus' stories, and he's looking at you and he's going, well done, my good and faithful servant. He knows you're going to get there. That's God's truth about you. That's God's truth about you. And so the enemy, when he comes in and attacks that ability and even your authority on situations like that, that whether or not you can do a thing, whether or not Jesus has empowered you to do a thing, it's just another attack. Just because you don't have the competency today doesn't mean that you won't when you need it. If you stretch out that timeline and realize that God's taken a journey to get you there, you do know Moses spent like 40 years in the wilderness raising sheep before God put him in charge of the nation of Israel. That 40 years, that's a four and a zero, four decades. All right? So I don't know God's plan for you, but I know we need to stretch it out, and I know you'll have the ability you need. And the last thing he does is he attacks your work. It'll never work out. Your marriage will never get better. The business will never grow. You'll fail. You'll end in mediocrity, whatever it is. These are the lies. This is the echo chamber that we all live under. And it stinks. It's awful. That is something, though, we need to, we need to look at the brutal facts and realize that the main thing that's against us is rolling between our ears. And it's coming from a place of darkness, a place of hate, even a place of murder. And so how do you beat this? How do you get out of that crushing darkness in your own skull? How do you escape this war and stand in strength? How much time we got? Not enough. This is how I fight my battles. You know this? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. One more. Uh, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. When Nehemiah got the bad news, Okay, got the attack, heard the grapevine, and it made it to him. The junior high boys over there gossiping about their friend. And I know you don't think junior high boys do that, but I used to be one, and we did. Here's what he did. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4, then I prayed. Then. I prayed. The bank statement came in and it was in the red again. 
Then I prayed. I tried to talk to my spouse and we fought again. Then I prayed. I tried to start a ministry and reach out to someone in addiction and they turned their back on me. Then I prayed. See, this is where it has to start. When things go bad, when they go sideways, when the insults come, you go to Papa. You go to Father. That's the first place you need to go. Why? Because your enemy is a prosecuting attorney. That's why. And because the Father has sent Jesus Christ to be our advocate, in other words, our defense attorney. And he's the one who stands and defends us. And so whenever the enemy accuses your identity, your ability, your relationship, or anything else, the first place you go is to Father. Then I prayed. Then I connect with Father. Then I get out of my problem and into my, the kingdom that I've been saved into, into my Father, into relationship. Let me show you how this works. There's a cool passage in Zechariah 3.2. In Zechariah 3, the enemy, Satan, is accusing the high priest of the nation of Israel. The accusation is larger than the man in front of him. He's actually accusing the faith of a nation. He's actually accusing the faith of all the people. And the Bible says this in Zechariah 3, 2. The Lord said to Satan, your accuser, your enemy, the Lord said to him, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem and rebukes you. This man's like a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. That verse applies to every life in this room that's placed their faith in Christ. You have been chosen. You have been snatched like a burning stick from a flame. God chose you. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, our advocate, we'll look at that verse in just a second, because of what Christ has done, when the enemy levies accusation against you, because of Jesus' work, it gets rejected. Put down. And so, fight back. Get into your father. Call your attorney. Never have an argument with the devil without your attorney present. Don't do it. The Bible says, 1 John 3, 2, 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. It's really important that you not do that. But if anyone does sin, by the way, that's not permission. That's just letting you know. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. This is why you need to pray. This is why you need to pray. Because you need to hear what God says about you. You need to know that Jesus is putting down your enemy's accusations, rejecting them, ending them. Some of you are sitting here today feeling guilt, feeling defeated, and like you have failed, and that is a lie that has been rejected by Christ, covered in the blood of Jesus. And when God looks at you, he sees a success. He sees someone clothed in righteousness and in hope. He sees someone that in one day he will stand over and say, well done my good and faithful servant do you understand that isn't that good is that good news for you or you that's okay i could eat a bologna sandwich and be all right with that Uh, i was a i used to be a babdecostal so i get a little bit more excited sometimes you're like i never heard of a babdecostal i think i'm the only one anyway 
so first thing you do is, is you call your defense attorney. Second thing you do, second thing you do is you remember that war is a family affair. War is a family affair. Nehemiah 4.13. Things got worse. After the junior high gossip ring, things got worse. And they're not only building a wall, but now they're having to protect each other because they're under attack. They're under the threat of attack constantly. Nehemiah 4.13. Here's Nehemiah's account of what happened. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for each other. I live in Wyoming, and we like to cowboy up. But nobody cowboys alone. It takes more than one cowboy to get the herd in. And yet we live like that we can do this ourselves. And people are walking through life without a church family, without a small group without anyone that they have a faith connection with, and they got a a bookshelf of self-help, Christianized self-help books, you know, how to live for the Lord, how to pray, how to, how to, how to, how to. And I get it. Man, do I get it. Because I also have been, believe it or not, I've been in church. (laughs) It's a little weird in there. I've been in small groups. And I've been hurt. I've been insulted. I've been disrespected, I've been betrayed. You cannot leave it just because that stuff happens. You have to have family. You've got to understand two things. The enemy is trying to get you out and unprotected because he's a predator. And a predator's technique is to separate someone from the herd. And so the enemy's trying to separate you from your small group and from your church so he can crush you. No amount of self-help books are going to get you past that. Second thing, when God, God takes everything and he uses it. He wastes nothing, even the enemy's assaults. And when those assaults come into your life, God is giving you an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to forgive. An opportunity to actually confront a situation, to deal with conflict. Don't use fear as an excuse to be alone. War is family business. This isn't a boxing match. There aren't rules, okay? This is down and dirty street fight war. And we need each other, amen? need each other. I know it's hard. There I said it. I know it's hard. People are tough. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Stop that. But we need each other. Without you, I cannot grow to my full potential and vice versa. Make sense? All right. War's family business. Second thing. So first thing, pray. Get your defense attorney on their side. 
or he's on your side, but get with him. And then war's a family affair. Third thing, don't dismiss the weapon of significance. Significance. God put you on this earth to do something. That's what you're supposed to do. That's where your significance lies. Your purpose. It's great. So stick with it, and it's okay. So Nehemiah, verse, chapter 6, verse 2, let me break this down. Sanballat and Geshem send a message asking me, Nehemiah recounting the story, to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of, oh, no! It's really in the Bible. I'm not making it up. It means strength, in the plain of strength. And what God's trying to tell you is that the enemy is trying to invite Nehemiah out of what he's doing, out of his calling, out of his purpose, to fight with his enemy in the place of their strength. You understand that? He's trying to get him. He's trying to ambush him. Set him up. But Nehemiah is too smart for him because he's got this, this simple concept before him, which is this. I am doing what God put me here to do. That's what I'm doing. Okay? And so here's what happens. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. What is a great work? It's the work that God called you and purposed you to do. That's a great work. If it's, if it's as simple as keeping a home together, if it's as simple as providing for your family, that's great. Do that. It's a great job. But you know, God has a way of taking those simple building on them and building on them until you get to the end of a life and realize that those simple things changed a lot of things. And so I'm doing a great work. Why should I stop working and come to meet with you? Listen to this. Four times they sent the same message. And each time I sent the same reply. Four times. Here's what I think they were doing. This is Michael Maynard's speculation. I have an opinion on everything. In fact, sometimes I have three or four opinions about one thing. I don't know how I do it either. It confuses everyone, but I don't keep it straight either. I don't even worry about it. <laughs> I'm an American. I can do that. Um, <laughs> God sent Nehemiah, the wine taster, to Jerusalem to build a wall. He sent him there to lead the people to build a wall. He did not send him there to be a politician. See, nothing against politicians that you haven't already thought. That was pretty good, wasn't it? <clears throat> If you read the book of Nehemiah, he didn't handle things politically. He didn't have votes. He didn't come along and ask people's opinion. He just came out with the truth and said, we're going to do this. He wasn't a politician. He was a leader. They were trying to invite him to be an ambassador or a politician out in the place of their strength so they could ambush him and trick him up, trip him up, and he wouldn't fall for it. He said, no, this is what God has placed me here to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Guys, this is something we could stand to learn. We live in a world that loves to say things like this. You can be, that's an identity phrase, anything you want to be. And I, I tell you what, there's some truth to that. And I don't want to take away that the fact that you could probably do more than you're doing. But I want you to realize something. If you are not good at something, maybe you shouldn't do it. I mean, what if I wanted to pursue ballet? I know some of you believe in me, but I don't think I'd do very well. But I think my rap career might have some, no, 
All right, okay. Got it. Just, just thought I'd throw it out there and see what happened, and I guess now we know. The Bible says in Romans, I won't read the whole verse because I'm running low on time, but he says in the last part, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Measure yourself by the faith God has given Not measuring yourself by what your neighbor's doing. Not measuring yourself by what your friend is doing, by the Joneses, by other standards. Do you understand? You, you can't do that. God gave you a thing. God gave you skills. God's developing those skills in you. And it's okay for you to pursue those things and not try to be good at everything. One of the things that I think weakens this nation is this idea that we need to strengthen all of our weaknesses. You might need to strengthen some of your weaknesses. But the fact that you could actually arrive at a place in life where you had no weaknesses is absurd. You're always going to have them. Why not focus on your strengths? Focus on the talents that God gave you and get better at them. And be stronger at them and push into the purpose he has for your life. I love this passage out of Ecclesiastes. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It is not necessarily a positive book. It's kind of secular in nature, but I still love so many of the things that it has in it. Verse 19 of chapter 5, the preacher says, It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. Everyone knows that's nice. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Just do what God called you to do. Focus on your significance. It's a weapon. The enemy's going to assault it. He's going to attack it. He's going to say you can't do it. But instead of panicking, freaking out, hiding, uh, climbing into some streaming service for months on end, why not press in to the gift God has given you already and improve it and begin growing into the future that God has for you? Sound good? So that's how we beat the enemy. We have our significance. And the last thing I want to point out is this. The last tool to overcome the enemy is to remember, dot, 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 to not fear. Nehemiah told the people, do not be afraid of the enemy. Fear twists your understanding of God. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. And so... Don't be afraid of your enemy. Don't let fear make your giants bigger than your God. Be like the two spies who went and said, giants are no problem. And so realize that. So remember to not fear. How do you do it? Well, you remember. You begin to recount the goodness of God, the things that he has done. Sure, there's awesome stuff in the Bible. Man, we serve a God who delivered a nation, a small little nation that started with one guy named Abraham, delivered them out of Egypt, a mighty nation. They had no army. They had no skills to, to even be free. They were slaves, and God released them from that slavery, and they walked out in victory and never had to fight a battle themselves up to that point. They walked through the wilderness and went in the promised land, a land that God gave them. And they took that land by God's power, God's grace. We serve a God that, that took giants out at the hand of a, a teenager, a God that, that sent fire down from heaven and licked up a, the, the sacrifices, the stones, and the water when Elijah called down from heaven. We serve a God who walked among us. And when he told blind eyes to open, they did. And when he told lame people to walk, they got up and walked. And when he said dead people live, they lived. 
That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of power that's in God. So, yes, recount those stories. That same power is alive today. But it's also your story. And sometimes we need to testify. We need to have our own testimony service. We need to do this in small groups too and in large groups. This story where we share with each other the stories of what God has done in our lives. The time we didn't have enough money to get through, and we did. The time that we were sick and, and couldn't even get to the doctor or, or there was no way to get help, and we survived. The time that we were all alone and somebody showed up. The time that we should have been killed that might be more for some of us than others. But we're still here. God is good. And he's been good to you and he's been good to me. And we fall into this trap of letting the enemy's voice circulate all the circumstances that are not true in our echo chamber. And we need to get in the habit of shouting what is true into that echo chamber. And we do that through testimony. And the next time you get down, I dare you to have a testimony service with yourself. Driving to work. You can pretend like you're talking on your phone. Actually, nowadays it's easy with hands-free calling. You can look like a nut and you look like everybody else. <laughs> it's totally okay. The other day, I was out walking. And uh, I need to walk more. I know that, but we're not talking about me. Well, we are, but not like that. I was out walking, and uh, I was a little down. You know, sometimes I get down because I, I, my echo chamber works the same, and I'm listening to a worship song. I don't know. Have you guys heard that song by Tasha Cobb, uh, This Is a Move? Yeah, it's okay. I heard it. It's all that matters. <clears throat> I'm walking up College Hill. Can't breathe because I'm going uphill, and there's no oxygen here anyway, so there's no way to breathe. I'm going up and I'm listening to that song, This Is a Move, and I'm, tears are rolling down my face. I'm hoping people are thinking it's sweat, you know. It's 40 degrees, but I'm hoping. If you know me, though, I can sweat for anything. And so uh, I'm going up and tears are rolling down my face, and I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I just want to shout because this is so good. And he says, well, why not? Said, well, there are people, Lord. They're driving down the hill. And when you walk up the hill with your arms up like that, people think you want something. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> Are you okay, sir? No, I'm not okay, man. <laughs> Jesus rocks, man. <laughs> Jesus is awesome. This is the move. I need a move, you know. You got to have that testimony service with yourself. And recount what God has done in your life and in your friend's life and in your small group's life and in your church life. Because God is good. He's never going to stop being good. Just because it stinks right now does not mean you're not going to get to victory. You are. You are going to get there. You have God's word on it, man. And so I just want to encourage you today. Yes, the enemy is going to attack you. He's going to attack your identity. He's going to attack all those other things that I have. I have a cool slide somewhere. This is on the ways to fight back. I'm not going to go back to the other one. He's going to attack you in all those ways. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter one little bit. You are in the middle of a war, and it's ugly, and I get it. But you are on the winning side the day you place your faith in Christ and start following him. You now are in the victor circle. The enemy now is just trying to trip you up and slow you down on your certain path to victory. Does that make sense? Amen?
Are you encouraged? All right. I want to take a minute and remember before we move on. Worship team, if I could get you guys up here. See, the greatest testimony of all is that God the Father sent his one and only son. That son came to earth and lived among us and showed us how a man could live filled with God. That son walked among us and he changed lives and he turned the world upside down and all he did was walk around and minister to people, give them the power or use the power of God to set them free and he preached a message, a message of love, a new kind of love, a message of being a missionary, of being an ambassador and he walked among us and he died. He was condemned. He was crucified. And then he rose again. And all of this a demonstration of God's love and goodness toward you. The Bible says in Romans 8 that if God has given us his own son, how can he not give us everything else? And he talked about how that nothing in this life could separate us from God's love. And that's really what this is about. You have an enemy who wants to cast shadows of darkness in your life. And you have a God who is light, who is trying to fill your life with his love, his person, his power. So today we're going to remember. And I hope we have enough communion cups around. I forgot to ask if we got some around. There may be one in a chair around you. I should give a little bit of instruction. John handed them out. Uh, before I read this passage and I invite you to stand, uh, this is a two-part process. I just should be fair. If you do this wrong, it could explode all over you, and I can't afford the dry cleaning bill. There's a little bit of a, a plastic part that comes off, and there's a piece of styrofoam bread in there. It's not, it's not about the taste, but it's kind of what it is. And uh, it's not about the taste. It's about the remembering. And then there's a foil seal that gets you to the juice part, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray. Then the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And any time during that song, I invite you to take communion together. Take the bread, drink the wine, and remember, remember.